0: Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, Anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching.
1: When the last trumpet sounds, great and terrible judgments will come upon the unrepentant. Have you turned to the Lord? Have you turned away from sin? Have you repented of your evil ways? The time is short. The time is near. You don't know when the end is going to come. Have you turned away from evil? Have you been healed? Have you turned away from the world's ways and trusted in the Lord Jesus? Have you bowed the knee? Have you bowed your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? The trumpets may sound soon. Make sure that you are not found among the unrepentant. The wrath of God is at hand. Please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8 verse 1. May God bless the reading and the exposition of His holy word. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. There were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. In the Old Testament, silence comes before judgment. Judgment. In the Old Testament again and again, in the major prophets and the minor prophets, when God is ready to act, when the King of the world stands to judge, the heavenly host are in awe and fear and terror. The glimpses we've seen of the throne room from the book of Revelation, we've seen praises from the heavenly beings, the elders, the myriads and myriads of angels. Surrounding the throne, glorifying God, singing his praises, exalting voices of thunder, voices of cascading waters, angelic antiphonal choirs singing to God. But now, now that the scroll is opened, now that the end has come, for a short moment there's silence. An hour in the Bible is often a time of connoting fullness of time, connoting it's here. And so for a half an hour, a short, short moment in cosmological time, the awe of all the creatures of the realm to come, they're just dumbfounded by the glory and the awesomeness of Almighty God. But then John sees an angel come towards the throne. An angel come, it's a temple scene. It's a temple scene that was played out for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, The priests, as they went into the holy place day by day in Jerusalem, the morning and evening sacrifices, they would take a censer, uh, a... a plate or a a bowl, a box, where they put holy coals from the altar of burnt offering out in the courtyard. It'd be tied to a chain, and they'd walk into the holy place. They'd bring it to the altar of burnt incense, the altar of incense offering, right before the temple curtain, before the Holy of Holies. And there they'd take incense from the altar of incense, and they'd add it to the coals, and the smoke would go up. Representing the prayers of the saints. Representing the petitions, the cries, the desperate calling out from the people of God to God, their God to save them. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an imaginary scene, so to speak, that we can imagine with our minds. But John sees it happening and who knows what happens in the heavenly throne room. John sees... Uh, Your prayers, my prayers, the prayers of millions of Christians go before God. And at the end of the days, John sees the prayers of the saints ascend to the very presence of God. The, 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 The architecture of the temple, the holy place, the holy of holies, the mercy seat, God, spirit there within the temple, the sacrifices from the altar out front, the burnt offerings, the sweet aroma going before God, now the prayers entering the holy place where God is, the sweet aroma of worship, the sweet aroma of the people crying out for their God. Received by God, heard by God. None of, you ever, none of, none of your prayers have ever gone unheard. And in the midst of revelation, in the midst of the end, From the beginning of the book, we've seen the prayers going up of people oppressed, people who have been hated, people who have persecuted, people who have been suffering. We saw in chapter 6 the prayers of the martyrs going up to the throne. And here the prayers go to God. And what does God do? As Johnny said, your prayers are always heard, but in God's timing they're answered according to God's sovereignty and His wisdom and His power. As soon as the prayers are heard... A storm comes. The seal's opened. The, the seal's torn off of the scroll. The scroll is in our minds. We can imagine it being unrolled. The destiny of humanity, the plan of God being executed, being played out. The angel uh, of worship, the priestly angel, so to speak, in the moment that God hears the prayers of cry, the cries of His people. The cries of rescue, the cries calling for vindication, the cries calling for vengeance, the cries calling for the, for the enemy to be defeated. As soon as these cries are heard by God, a storm theophany comes, the presence of God comes in a storm, the thunder crashed, the, the, the lightning flashed, the earth shook as God came forth to judge The world for its sin and its wickedness and its evil. The angel of priestly worship suddenly turns into an angel of wrath. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth. And then we see the trumpets, fiery judgments coming upon the unrepentant, coming upon the evil, coming upon those who have hated God and hated His people. When the trumpets are sounded, great and terrible judgments come upon the unrepentant. May that not be you. May you not be the person standing against God still today. May you not be the person living in autonomy, living in selfishly living separate from God, would you be the person that's turned to God in repentance and faith, coming under the reign of the king before it's too late? Verse 6. Now the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. These were thrown upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. The trumpets were given to the angels. The seven trumpets were given to the seven angels. You remember back in the days of the Exodus? Remember back in the days when God's people were delivered from slavery in Egypt. How God brought them out into the wilderness, brought them to Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, when God came down in Exodus 19, the thunder, the lightning, the crashing, the awe, when God moved. We see it here again. When God comes to judge the earth. The trumpet... Blew back in the day. Remember when the, the priest walked around the walls of Jericho? Seven days. The seventh day, seven trumpets blew and the walls fell down. The trumpets have always been announcements. Announcements. Sometimes when the trumpets sounded in the past, armies were called together. Sometimes when the trumpets sounded in the past, armies marched. Battles raged. Kings were anointed. Sacrifices were given. Trumpets were always used in ancient times by God's people for God's glory, for God's purposes, for God's plans. The first angel blows the trumpet of judgment. Back in the Old Testament, back in the days of the people of God, plagues were sent against the Egyptians. Plagues were sent against the people doing evil against His people. For decades, for centuries, the people of Israel lifted their voices to God, their prayers ascended to heaven, and in God's timing, when the timing was just right, He freed His people. The trumpets, as it were, announced a second exodus, a second deliverance, a second rescue of the people of God. The plagues back in the day, the plague upon the waters, the blood filling the Nile, followed by the frogs sent across the land. The gnats came next. Judgments of God. Judgments against the gods of Egypt, showing them that there were nothing, that God was in control. The flies came next. And then the Destruction of the Egyptian animals. All the animals in Goshen where the Jews lived were kept safe, but God destroyed the hard-hearted Egyptians. Again and again, their possessions, their gods, their idols. The power of God flowed out back in the day. After the animals were destroyed... Some of the animals, those who did not heed the warning of God, those who did not hear hear the trumpets of old, a boils came upon the creatures, and then hail, and fire was the seventh plague, followed by locusts, and then followed by darkness, and then followed by the destruction of the firstborn. God bringing His judgment slowly, meticulously, again and again, giving people time to repent, calling Pharaoh to repent, calling Egypt to turn and repent before the living God. And they would not. And so we see in the trumpets the plagues renewed in a different order, in a different way. Nevertheless, the trumpet blows and hail and fire mixed with blood falls from the sky. Back in Exodus, I think it's Exodus 9, the hail came down, the heavy hail, the massive hail, and crushed people, or crushed animals, or crushed crops. Uh, it said there was hail and flashes of light, the, the fire that comes as lightning, we, we assume, we presume. Some think that as they interpret this first trumpet that at the end of days, there's going to be a worldwide cataclysmic uh, a volcano volcanoes coming. And you know what happens when the volcanoes set up their ash in the sky? Massive storm clouds are formed. Hail falls. Lightning falls. Some think that the blood falling is symbolic of the ash, the red ash falling upon the earth. Who knows what it's going to look like? A third of the earth was burned up. seems like the hail, the main judgment here, is the fire that comes upon the earth. A third of the trees burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Green grass, you can interpret that as vegetation. You can, under, you can interpret that as produce. What's happening here? What's transpired here? What's going on here? The wicked nations of the earth. Maybe at this time it's the Antichrist who's come to power. Maybe he's ruling a coalition of nations and they're so prideful, they're so arrogant. They think they've got everything in control. They don't need God. They have no purpose for God. They have no reason to bow to God. But God in an instant shows the world that their pride is going to fall away. That he can destroy all the fruit trees if he wants in a moment. He can take all the vegetation away, all the plants, all the crops all the things that feed the earth and feed the world. In a moment, it all can be destroyed. We've seen around here when 10,000 acres of forest burns, how the smoke fills the sky. And we can smell it, we can taste it, it's in our clothes. Imagine hundreds of, hundreds of millions of acres of trees going up in smoke. The woe, the devastation, the ruin upon the earth. Says a third. Back in the seals, a quarter of the earth was given over to death and ruin and woe. The intensification of the seals and the the trumpets and the bowls get worse and worse. Why? Sovereign God is giving people time to see the signs, to see the signs and repent, to see the signs as they intensify, to turn to Him and be saved before it's too late. People think they're in control, but they can't even control the basics when God attacks the food supply, when God destroys the food supply. What will people do when all of their, 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 their control and all of their power is taken away in a moment? Will they repent? Will you, when storms come into your life, couldn't these not be judgments of God, graces of God even, upon us to repent? If you haven't turned, if you haven't been healed, if you haven't come to the Lord, now's the time before it's too late. Do you see what's at stake? Will you repent? Verse 8, the second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Some think an asteroid from heaven falling to the earth, trying to put it in our terms and contemporize it. We don't know what's behind the picture that John saw. God gave him a picture. What's the literal outcome of that? We're not sure. But maybe the asteroids as they come, as they're surrounded by gas, as they hit the atmosphere, fire erupts. And they hit the sea. They hit the ocean. A third of the sea creatures are destroyed. A third of the ships are destroyed. It's a terrible, terrible sign from God. God Almighty is sending the trumpet announcements. God Almighty is sending the judgments. God Almighty, at the end, is destroying all that has been idolized, all that has been worshipped, the sea, a symbol of chaos and evil and wickedness and separation from God. It's not autonomous, it's not in power, it's not in charge. The nations of the earth with all their shipping and all their money making and all their commerce, all their massive ships going hither and yon. We've seen a few rockets from a few terrorists in the Red Sea lately that has changed commercial shipping around the earth. The chaos from a few. Imagine when God steps up. The arrogance of our idolatry of of business and making money and being in control. We think we don't need God. We don't think we don't need His power. We don't think we need to trust Him with our life or obey Him or follow Him. And God shows in a moment the arrogance of humanity. You know, back in the seals, the preliminary judgments, God allowed humanity to follow the lusts of their heart, bringing war and famine and death. Here God actively brings judgment a third of the ships were destroyed. Some think that maybe as the asteroid or the asteroids hit the seas, giant tsunamis came, would come and swallow up those ships whole. They can handle any wave. No, they can't. Their GPS can go anywhere they want to. No, they can't because the sovereign God is in control. Who's following God? Who's rejected God here? Who's thumbing their nose at God, who's putting God in His place, who's on the throne of their life, who should be on the throne of your life other than Almighty God. The call from the apocalypse is repent before it's too late. Your food, your commerce, your business, it all is nothing before the reign of the Lord God Almighty. He's all that matters is he your lord? Is he your savior? Is he the king of your life? Verse 10, the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood. Many people died from the water because it'd been made bitter. The Old Testament and some of the uh, some of the, the scriptures there wormwood describes people being bitter. Wormwood was a root, it was a plant that when it was boiled or eaten, it'd leave a bitter taste in your mouth. Some think this is maybe a comet, a frozen chunk of ice coming to the earth and breaking apart. And when it falls, it falls in the water sources. The first plague was hail with fire. The second plague was blood in the ocean. The third plague in Revelation, it's blood in the fresh waters. In other words, bitterness Poison upon the blood. Poison upon the earth. destroying people. Many died through it. If you've been up in the mountains around the San Luis Valley at 11 and 12,000 feet, I've walked up the streams coming out of the rock, the springs coming out to fill our alpine lakes. it's an incredible scene. Where did that water come from? The hydrology of our world is incredible. Elizabeth and I, when we were down in Florida, we went to some islands, and there was fresh springs on those islands surrounded by salt water. God has created an incredible world where life can be, be abundant, where life can thrive. But when the plague comes, people think that as long as they have water, they have the basics, they're safe, and nothing can take that away, but God... In answering the arrogance of his creations, of his creatures, creatures thanking their God, creatures worshiping what is not God as their idols are lifted up instead of the living God. God, at the end, after centuries and centuries of patience, centuries and centuries of waiting for people to repent, at the end, he takes away their fresh water. What will you do now? What will you do now? Oh, sovereign ones, what will you do now, those of you who are in control of your own life? Will you not repent? Will you not turn to the Lord and be saved before it's too late? So the trumpets roll, the announcements going throughout the earth, they're adding up. The fourth trumpet, blue, verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so the third of the light might be darkened, the third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth, the blast of the other trumpets, that the other three angels are about to blow. The fourth angel came. And just as the first exodus happened, God in the, in the book of Revelation is bringing another exodus. He's setting His people free. He's bringing His people to the promised land again. He's bringing people to His glory to be with Him forever. Those who have trusted in Him. But the plagues are coming upon the unrepentant. The plagues are coming upon the unbelievers. Here, the darkness just as an old is coming. Now you can imagine all the great forest fires of the world, all the produce, all the, the crops burnt up and the smoke filling the skies. Maybe that's why you can't see the sun or the moon, we're not sure. But you can, you can see the smoke, you can smell the smoke, it's everywhere. It's omnipresent, as it were. And you can smell the stench of the dead bodies on the earth, all the sea creatures washing up on the sides of, of the ocean. Floating, all the death, a third of the sea creatures. Can you imagine the carnage? Can you imagine all the vultures in the air? Can you imagine all the birds of prey taking the flesh, all the carnivores coming? And then in the fresh water, it's poisoned. The animals and the death that takes place there, are the many people on the earth who die by the wrath of God because they've refused to repent. And then the darkness comes. It seems like every... Every year, twice a year, when the time changes, we go into chaos. A, time, a short time change where it gets a little bit darker, a little bit lighter, earlier, and we're out of rhythm for weeks. Imagine when God changes everything. How crazy it would be, with the, the sights, the shadows, the darkness. And believe it or not, there's still people, because it's so obvious that God is sending these signs, there's still people who refuse to repent Maybe there's someone here, for for years and years, God has been speaking to them and calling them out and giving them opportunity, giving them grace to turn around, to be saved, and yet they still refuse to repent. Is that you today? The trumpets, the grace of God given to the world. A third here, a third here, a third here. I counted up the thirds in the trumpets. There's 12 of them. The perfect number 12, the completeness, the fullness of God's judgment coming in the trumpets. But it's measured. It's sectioned off. It's like, look over here, all the rest of the world. You too could be destroyed unless you repent. What will you do at the end? What will you do in your life? You don't know. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised to be here tomorrow. You don't know what's going to come tomorrow. Repent today. Repent today. Turn to the Lord today and be saved, be healed. It's found by faith in Jesus Christ. The picture, the, the scene of the darkness, um, it's hard to fathom how terrifying that would be but at the end of the fourth trumpet, the fourth trumpet is sound. And what, what, is, what is John C. flying in the sky? The ESV tra- translates in, in eagle, and, and they are birds of prey. But other translations say the vulture was flying in the sky. Loud voice. Whoa, whoa, woe to those who dwell on the earth. The, 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 from a literary angle, as we look at the book of Revelation, the seals come in, in this, this sequence, a series of four. A series of four, the four horsemen. Then there was two kind of cosmic signs, the martyrs in heaven and God bringing the, the theophany, his judgment, and then, and then separated by kind of an interlude, a time when the church is told what's going to happen, what's going to come, their role, their destiny, and the seventh seal. Here we have four trumpets, four plagues coming upon the earth. The resources of the earth are taken away, followed by three woes, it's getting worse, it's getting worse, but it's broken up again by two trumpets of God's judgment against directly against the earth dwellers, the unrepentant, the sinners, followed by another interlude where the church is told what's going to happen, their role, and then the seventh trumpet arises, which is the end. The end is coming. The end is coming, as it's said in the first chapter of Revelation. I, John... John said again and again. He talked about God, and he talked about what's happening. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. He's coming. He's returning. His time is near. Would you repent before it's too late? Don't go on, go on in your idolatries don't go on in your sin. Don't go on living as if you're the center of the world. You were made by God, for God, for His glory. You were made to live for Him until He takes you home. And yet, hundreds of millions, nay, billions on the earth remain unbowed, unrepentant, thinking they are the captain of their souls. May they repent before It's too late. Chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. He was given the key to a shaft of a bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. And from the smoke came locusts on the earth. And they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass or the earth or any green plant or any tree. Only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads, they were the ones to be attacked. They were allowed to torment them for five months. They will not kill them, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek death and not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like a woman's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of the wings like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he is called Apollyon. Destruction and destroyer is his name. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still to come. In the Old Testament and New Testament, there's this scene of, of this underworld, this, this pit. The abyss, or some of your translations say the bottomless pit. Remember Jesus, uh, when he was walking uh, near the sea, and there is a there is a guy there who is a demoniac. He is possessed by a legion of demons. Remember the two thousand pigs on the side of the hill, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the into the pigs, but they begged Jesus, "Do not send us into the abyss." Luke uh, eight thirty one. Uh, in Romans ten, the abyss is the lowest place compared to heaven, the highest place. There is a beast that comes out of the abyss. In Revelation 20, Satan, John sees Satan being bound. His picture that he's given, that he's, he sees the, the vision and the scene, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. We see Satan being bound for a thousand years and placed into the abyss. The place of the demons. It's not the end, it's not the place of final judgment. Satan at one time in the future, Revelation 20 tells us, will be thrown into the lake of fire. But here, the abyss, comes a demonic horde. But notice who sends it, notice who announces it, notice who unleashes it, God does. The woes get more woeful, the evils get more evil. You haven't repented to this time. You haven't turned. And now the fifth trumpet and the sixth tum- trumpet bring demonic attack against the unrepentant. It's a terrifying scene that makes me want to weep over the dead and the dying and the, the ruined. The terrifying thing about this judgment that comes upon the earth People want to die, but they're not allowed to die. God is almost holding their feet to the fire in the sense of, you still have time to turn. You still have time to believe. You still have time to come under my sovereignty. You still have time to be rescued. But they allow themselves to go through torment after torment after torment. Imagine the shadows and the darkness and the evil and the demoniac beast sending his hordes like armies upon the earth to attack the unrepentant. Now, if you remember, as we talked about in chapter 7, that scene that separated the, the unbelievers from the, from the believers, the 144,000 marked with the mark of God on their head, I interpret that as the church. And after, after the revelation is over, after the apocalypse comes, the eschaton is done. We see all the church and all the tribes and peoples and languages of the world standing before the throne, worshiping God, all those who had been marked with the Father's name on their forehead and the Lamb's name on their forehead. As they go through this tribulation, perhaps if we go through this tribulation, the demons won't be able to touch us. They won't be able to attack because we are protected from the wrath of God by that mark. Can you imagine the terror and the trial and the ugliness? How come people won't repent how come people won't turn around, even in the sight of hell in their face? Could it be, my friends, that they become so entrenched in sin? They've become so entrenched in their sinfulness and their brokenness and their evil. They've worshipped their idols so long and so strongly and so hard. Like Pharaoh, their hearts become hardened. And they don't know how to repent anymore. They don't know how to turn anymore. They become entrenched in their wickedness. What about you? Maybe you've walked, started walking down a road of evil. Maybe of adultery or greed or hatred or pride or theft or dishonor. Maybe you started going down that road. Do you know when you're going to go too far? Do you know when you're still going to be free? Do you know when you're still going to be able to choose the light from the darkness? Jesus is the light. Come to the light and be saved is basically the message of this trumpet. The plague of locusts that was back in the Old Testament, the devastation of locusts that came upon Egypt and their crops. God is saying in the second exodus, when I bring my people out, the locusts are going to come again. But you don't have to go through it. You can repent and be saved and be marked by God as God's today. By trusting in Him. By placing your faith in Jesus. Terrible, terrible scene. The twistedness. John saw a picture. We don't know if that's the actual picture. What's What's the literalism behind the symbol? Horrible, evil coming upon the earth at the end. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still to come. Verse 13 then the sixth angel blew his trumpet and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. Uh, the, the, the golden altar, the altar of incense it had these horns on the side of it rep- representing God's sovereignty and power. Saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Debate rages between interpreters who these angels are? Are they good angels? Or are they bad angels? I take it because they're bound that they're evil angels, fallen angels. So the four angels who have been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, the year, God sovereignly knows when everything is going to happen, were released to kill a third of mankind. Today that would be somewhere around three billion people. If it came today. The number of mounted troops, again, a demonic, in my opinion, a demonic force. Uh, some would say that this might be a human force because it mentions the U- river Euphrates. In history, the Parthenians, the different, the different uh, armies, would often cross the Euphrates, Euphrates River to get to the, more to the west. So some think that this might be armies of India or ar- armies of China one day that could raise a force of 200 million people. I take it as another demonic army allowed to be unleashed upon the world by God. The number of troops was, and here's the reason why, twice 10,000 times 10,000, a myriad in the, in the Greek, Greco-Roman world, was the highest number they had was a myriad, 10,000 by 10,000. They didn't really go much farther than that typically unless they were in some specialized field. So the myriads, 10,000 by 10,000, 10,000 by 10,000, it's an uncountable number. It's the number kind of infinity and beyond kind of number in the old days. A vast horde coming. this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and sulfur. The heads of the horses were like lion heads and the fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues... Uh, the the plague of locusts in in the fifth trumpet. Now there's three plagues given: the fire, the smoke, the sulphur. These three plagues. The third of the mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulphur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses in their mouths and their tails and their tails like serpents with heads. And by means of them they wound. Again, John is seeing these things happen. Imagine his terror as he's taken through these visions. He's saying this uncountable number of hordes coming upon the earth to destroy. And he's seeing death happen again and again and again. All for what? Sometimes we think about sin in in trite ways or we think about sin as not being so bad. That Jesus had to die for our sins. That He took the wrath of God for our sins tells us that sin is terrible. God is righteous. God is just. And He's perfectly righteous in pouring out His wrath on every sin. Sin must be judged. It's so evil and so heinous that it'll be paid forever in hell upon the unrepentant. And why? Why would you stay unrepentant? Why would you stay far from God? Why would you still continue to worship an idol? Money, power, position, success, sex, pleasure, whatever the idols of the day are. Why would people continue to bow to those things? Why would people continue to worship those things instead of the Creator? God is totally justified in destroying depravity of man. The depravity of humanity is so great. The depravity of every lost person is so incredible that it deserves the righteous wrath of God. Wrath is God's holy hatred of sin, and He will obliterate every sin that has ever been on the day of the Lord. But why? Why would anybody stay with those false gods as the wrath of God comes upon the earth? Verse 20, The rest of mankind who were not killed by those plagues, they did not repent of their works of their hands, nor give up the worshiping of demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stolen wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. The worthless idols, people would not give them up. The sins of the day that they consumed them, that they followed, they would not give them up even in the face of billions being killed. God is righteous to judge the depraved. God is righteous and just to destroy sin. And He will. Even my sin and even your sin. If you trusted in Jesus... Your sins have already been paid for. Jesus took the wrath of God upon Himself. God poured out His wrath on Jesus and your sin. You've been justified already in faith in Jesus Christ. Those of you who had trusted in Him. But if you have not, if you're unrepentant, if you're far from God, if you haven't turned, hear the warning of the trumpets. As the trumpets sound in the days ahead again and again and again, it's an opportunity for you to repent. Don't wait. Don't wait until the end comes. For then it might very well be too late to repent of your murders or your sorceries or your sexual immorality or your thefts. God is giving you this time this season, this moment, to turn to God and be saved. Won't you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Won't you turn to Him even now and bow the knee and be healed of your sin and depravity? Won't you be rescued even today in Jesus' name? I plead with you to turn to the Lord before it's too late. And God bless the reading of His holy word. Please stand in the Lord's presence. Lord God, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for calling our names. Opening our eyes, giving us faith, giving us grace, giving us salvation. As was said, we only bring sin to the table and brokenness. You bring salvation and you bring rescue. And you bring eternal life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for allowing us to gather today to worship, to proclaim you, to exalt, exalt you, to make much of you. God, we pray for, for you to make us a people. That continue to walk after you by your grace, even through hard times. Thank you for your promise of salvation. Thank you for your promise of deliverance. Thank you for your promise that by your grace we are overcomers. and We will have the victory as you, Lord God, at the end will have the victory. Send us out as your people of worship this week. And may you get all the glory and all the praise and all the honors through our work of life in these days.
0: We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity, or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.